This is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats. I just want to take a moment to say thank you, thank you, thank you for the support of this podcast. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button and take a moment and fill out a review. It makes a whole lot of help in terms of growing and developing this podcast. Enjoy today's chat. Peace. Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Josh Burton. Josh, where are you at, and what are you up to? Hi, uh, so uh, Josh Burton, I um, coach soccer at Sunnyside High School here in Tucson, Arizona. Um, I'm also the volunteer assistant coach at Cochise College in Douglas, Arizona, um, and I also am vice president of FC Sonora, which is a youth club here in Tucson, Arizona. So Southern Arizona is my zone. So you wear a lot of different hats. Um, you talk about high school. Is that in, play, in Arizona? Do you play in the spring or is it played in the fall? So for Arizona, it is uh, winter season. Um, so it's basically the fall is college and club. And then club pauses and takes a break. Kind of the same time college season ends, right? Like that beginning of November area. And that's when high school picks up. So high school is from... November through early February, and then spring club picks up um, is kind of the way it functions. What have been some of the things you all have been working on right now? Are, are you in the middle of your season? Have you started games? What, where are we at right now? Yeah, so right now we are at actually the last week of our high school season. Um, we currently sit at six and six. And kind of the main thing we're doing now is just um, developing players to be ready for next year. Um, we are currently in our most successful season that the girls soccer program has had here uh, as far as I can possibly research at least 15 years plus uh, but we're very banged up with injuries so right now it's just taking the young class that we have and making sure they're ready for next year so we have extra depth and we don't end up in the same situation. How long have you been the head coach uh, at Sunnyside? This is my third season being head coach here at Sunnyside. When you look back at year one, what were some of the things that when you took over the program, you wanted to start kind of implementing from the from the get go? Well, number one, when I took over the program, uh, focus one was just keeping our roster together. I mean, the team I took over here at Sunnyside, they were struggling to maintain a varsity roster from what I was told. And then they had not won a regular season game in two years, like back to back seasons. They had went winless in the regular season. Um, and that seemed to have been something that was kind of up and down, right? Like zero wins to four wins at most throughout the last 15 years. So my first year, it was okay. Put a win on the board, like just one singular win, uh, keep a stable roster, decent, you know, culture, ensure the kids have fun because we're not going to be good. So they definitely got to enjoy themselves, right? Even more so in order to keep them and we can build off of that. That was kind of what we set out to do. We went two and eight my first year, um, which was, you know, for where we were, like pretty much half my starters were freshmen, half were seniors that were on their way out. We had three girls sign scholarships that year. Only one actually chose to leave home, but we had three girls that signed. And then my second year, we went five and eight, and this year we're at six and six so far. So you have all those other things. You talked about a volunteer assistant coach what's that experience like being at the college game and maybe how is it different than being at the high school level 
So it, it was, it's been a dream of mine. Like my goal is to, to coach college. You know, I'm not really like, I'm not, I wouldn't say I would turn down a pro job. Like when I get that resume at that point. Right. But my dream is really just to be a college coach. Um, so for me as a volunteer assistant and my, my college that I coach at is two hours away from where I live. Um, so what I do is when I'm here remotely away from campus, I run all social media. So I run the Coaches College Twitter, Instagram. Um, I have access to our YouTube that I haven't really done much with yet. Um, I do our graphic designing on, uh, in conjunction with our SID. Um, I do some of the recruiting in the Tucson area um, and in other areas. So I kind of help be an extra set of eyes that's you know already in another hotspot for talent. Um, I help the girls that we have, right, get their film together, their highlights, so we can push forward the sophomores to transfer to universities. Um, I'll help break down game film, uh, just kind of like random extra tasks that we always have, right? like setting up the ID camp we have, making connections, so forth. That's what it looks like for me um, as the volunteer assistant. And then during season, uh, I go down once to twice a week, usually to go help out with a session. And I'll go like, you know, obviously actually coach. And then on game days, I'm there pretty much every game. Um, generally, it works well with my schedule. Um, so I'm, I'm there every game, coaching, providing tips, uh, being able to kind of take a backseat to someone else's head coach, right, uh, for our head coach, Ricky, and having Santos, our other assistant. It, it allows me to kind of fill in gaps where I feel very useful um, without killing myself time-wise. So I do that. And then the difference that I think I noticed between high school and college the most, um, I think it's a little bit of the commitment and, and the accountability, right? So at the college level, the kids are a little bit older, a little bit more mature. Um, you have them on campus, right? So they're there with you every day. It's not, they have to have a ride. Some of those barriers are removed because um, they're there. And then there's a little bit more riding on the line for them because, you know, financially they're on scholarships and so they have expectations and they have to produce versus high school. There's those girls that are very serious. And then there's the, the kids that play for social reasons and you have to balance that a little bit more. So I think high school can be a little bit harder in certain, certain situations like that. How is it that you got connected with coaches in the first place? How did you, did you go about it? Were you just sending out information about yourself? How did you make that connection? So quarantine happened, right? 2020 strikes. And I really spent a lot of time, mostly on Twitter, but online in general, making good connections with coaches. Um, so by that point, I kind of had got in contact with a couple guys who had gave me some advice on what my next step should be. And, Common thing that I heard was, hey, you should probably get like a, a volunteer spot or a graduate assistant spot or something like that to get in. Um, I, the head coach at Cochise when I first got to this area was Bobby Peters. He's now at Eastern Arizona. I met him. He came to recruit during a club tournament. And so I had been like talking to him and trying to send him girls for about two years. And um, we had a you know a decent working relationship. And so I brought up the idea to him at some point. Uh, where I saw he was looking for an assistant, but I couldn't fully commit to that because I was here in Tucson and I wasn't ready to relocate. And so he kind of like brought up the idea and was thinking about it. He's like, you know, that might be a good idea. And then when Ricky Escalera took over, uh, when Bobby moved on, then Ricky, you know, I, I, just, I had known him from Twitter, quarantine, those connections, right? 
he had been down here. He was at Presentation College previously. He had flew down here for recruiting purposes before. So we had a working relationship and he kind of was like, hey man, you know, I'm gonna bring in a, an assistant. I know you want to get experience. I like what you do. And he basically just told me, hey, like you have something to offer. Come be a volunteer and we'll make it work. Um, and I asked him, right? It wasn't just like he begged me or anything. I don't want to phrase it like that, but I also was like, hey man, I re I'm really trying to get in. And he was like, hey, I want you to get in. Let's figure it out. So that's kind of how it happened. What is what is Josh's kind of soccer story? When did you get the bug that, man, I kind of like this? Like as a youth, were you playing at, at the age of four and five or when did you start getting into this whole, the whole world of soccer? I honestly fell into soccer, man. Like it was, it was almost an accident, not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> so I moved to Texas in sixth grade. I was originally from Louisiana, moved to Texas, Hurricane Katrina. Um, and I wanted to play basketball and football were always my favorite sports. And so when I got to Texas, they had those sports for sixth graders. I was like, hey, I wanna play. Well, Katrina happened like a few weeks into the school year. So I, I missed tryouts for those. The only team that was still taking people was soccer. And so my first taste of soccer, I was, that was 2005. So I was 10 years old. Um, and so I was like, all right, signed up for soccer, was so bad at it, had no idea what was going on, completely different, right? From anything I had seen in Texas, soccer is serious, man. Like those kids were good in sixth grade. Like I had a kid that rainbowed me in practice at sixth grade. <laughs> so um, I played it, it didn't stick. I would play pickup in the neighborhood with friends, right? Um, kind of got into high school, started doing some of like the, the men's like indoor, you know, Sunday league type things. Right. We had a place around the corner that my neighborhood friends, I grew up in a Latino neighborhood. And so soccer was a sport you were going to play if you got to. So I did that with them. And then when I got to college, I played club ball. Um, I played club soccer at Texas women's university, which is a co-ed school now. Um, so it was, it was really just recreationally and for fun. Right watched a lot of soccer, became a big fan because of my friends. And then when I got to Tucson, I was working at a school as a special education assistant. I wanted overtime. They said, hey, you gotta work athletics to get overtime out of school. And I said, okay, well, what's open? Basketball open? They're like, nah, staff is full for both sides, right? And so like, is football open? And they were like, eh, football's like in their last two weeks of season. You know, and I was like, okay. They're like, we have a brand new soccer program that like needs to be rebuilt. Um, and I was at Empire High School. They're like, we just hired a head coach. She probably needs an assistant. Are you interested? I was like, yeah, sure. And so for that reason, I ended up coaching, uh, you know, women's soccer, and I, I fell in love with the sport. You know, I always had like liked it, but I fell in love with it, and I was like, wow, I really like this sport. So now it's my favorite sport, obviously, and. Um, Maybe the second year that I was assistant coach at Empire, I was like, huh, I could do this. I really can do this. And then I stuck with it. Now it's been six years almost since I've been coaching. What what was it, if you think back, that, that little light bulb moment that you were like, man, I do like this. I think I can do this. What about it kind of kind of draw drew you in and made you like, yes, let's do this? I like, I like games in general. I, any, anything that's a game or a competition, I'm in 90% of the time. Um, so that was one. That was just naturally, like, for me wanting to coach, right? I was like, wow, I get to compete. Like, love it. But also, I like the impact that I could have on the kids. I, I like kind of allowing them to have fun and, like, creating fun environments for them. And 
realizing I could provide opportunities for them to better their life in some way. Opportunities that I know, maybe not me, right? Cause I was never an amazing player, but like my friends that were really good that I got to play with, they didn't get opportunities that they deserved in certain areas um, because of where we were socioeconomically. And so I was like, wow, I could really make change happen through sport and I'll enjoy it. I'll have a blast. The kids will have a blast. And it's something that's actually important, right? Providing opportunities. So that's kind of, I think that light bulb went off. That second year at Empire, we had a pretty good senior class and I was starting to figure out how to navigate this recruiting scene type thing. I was just starting to figure that out. And so I was like, wow, okay, I really like this. And then from there, it picked up. You talked about the relocating with Katrina and what have you. When you look back, what kind of impact did that have on you? Like what kind of lessons did you learn from the fact of having to like move to Texas? And I know it couldn't have been easy, but what things did you learn there that you talk about making impacts on players now and knowing some of your teammates didn't get the opportunities they had because of whatever their situation was, yours was drastically changed. How has that impacted you, not just personally, but as a coach? It definitely helped. It opened my eyes up to the world. Um, I became way more culturally aware um, and just aware in general of society and, and some of the things that, that plague us or whatever, right? So in New Orleans, the neighborhood that I lived in, New Orleans is a very dangerous place, first of all, to grow up. Like it is, it, it has its reputation as the fun tourist site. It is often the crime or murder capital of the United States per capita, pretty much for the last 30 years. So it, it was dangerous in that way, but I also lived in a neighborhood that was predominantly family. So I was around my family all the time and all of my family basically worked for the school districts. Um, you know, I kind of saw one set way of life. Like we were poor, but we were with family. So we didn't really know, like I didn't notice how poor we were, right? And then everyone around me was also African-American from the South because it's mostly two, three blocks of family. Well, when I got to Texas, I, I'm in a school in a neighborhood that's predominantly Latino, right? And so that's a culture shock a little bit because there's similarities, but it's like, okay, I don't speak a certain language. And then my dialect of English is different from even the black people in Texas at the time. The way I'm speaking is different from what they're speaking and we don't fully understand each other. Um, there's food differences and holiday differences and just certain, you know, there's all of those things. So I really saw that there was a world outside of what I grew up in for my first 10 years, right? Outside of what my family does, there's other people and the way they live is also valid and fair and, and, and reasonable or whatever, right? So then you start meeting these people of different ethnicities and cultures and you learn about new things and that kind of carried all the way through Texas. Texas is a very diverse place in the big cities. And then, um, Moving to Arizona, similar demographics to Texas, right? So I feel like that prepared me. And now coaching at Sunnyside, Sunnyside, I want to say the exact statistic is 96% Latino. Um, and then Cochise, most of our roster is Latino. And so I felt like I really, those moments in my life shaped me um, to be able to better serve the populations that I serve now. The other thing that you have the other hat I call it that you wear is you talked about the FC Sonoma how does one take on that role as well on top of all that you have going on yeah so at FC Sonora um my my board position um it's a it's a 
like we really run, we try to run it as nonprofit as possible at that club, right? It's a, it's a low cost club for, for kids to get an opportunity to play. As vice president, um, my main things are bringing kids into the club, figuring out how we can retain kids in the club, and then also helping the kids that we have, right? Providing them again, opportunities, getting them to the next level, getting them into coaching, even if that, that's what they prefer afterwards. I spend a lot of my time building the next coaches that we can bring back um, and creating positive experiences for those kids, trying to make sure they're having fun, things of that sort. I mean, outside of that, I vote on stuff, you know, the usual boring administrative stuff. Um, I was coaching club for a few years and then my team aged out and I started coaching college. So I had to scale one thing back. So right now I'm kind of more just like a, I'm on the board pretty much to help make decisions and, and guide things in the right direction. Um, and truth be told, like, it's hard to balance all of the hats sometimes, but that's why we have like, like I'm blessed to have in, in all of those positions, I have a bunch of great people around me that help me be successful, right? And help our clubs and our teams be successful. Cause if it was just me, it wouldn't happen. So <laughs> I'm glad that like we have the support system that, that allows me to do that. When you look at all of the things that you do in terms of impact and all that, is there one level that you enjoy the most at this point? Is it the college level? Is it, you know, you talked about wanting to coach at the college level, but right now in terms of not, you know, kind of doing a lot of stuff remotely, um, cause you, it sounds like are spanning all ages. You're going from like youth all the way up through college. So is there one kind of age group that you're enjoying the most? I think it depends on like, like there's certain aspects of each that I'm enjoying more than the other. Right. So I'll say from a, from a pure like coaching standpoint, right? Like just soccer, um, you know, coaching or coaching people in general, even I'll say I enjoy college the most, right? Like, you know, no offense to my, my high school kids, but at the college level, things are just organized a different way. You have all the kids on campus, you have budgets, right? You have um, all of these things, the kids are a little bit older, more mature, et cetera. So it's easier and there's a little bit like less of the extra stuff where you can just coach at like at its purest form. You can just coach. Um, what I like about high school more, though, is I, I feel like the, I can see more impact that I'm making on those kids because they have so far to go. Right. From when they're 14 to when they're 18, there's so much growth that can happen for them as a person, as a student, as a player. You know, you think about a kid that you saw the first day when they first came to Charles freshman year and then like they're graduating um, or like right now, like my first kids are now juniors from when I was at Sunnyside. Right. Like those first kids. But my first kids at Empire are now adults that are nurses, RNs, um, you know, and some of my former assistant coaches. Right. So like it's it's high school. There's it's, it's more rewarding in my heart, I think, to watch them grow. But just from a pure coaching point, I enjoy college the most. Um, club is club is interesting. You know, I think a lot of people view club as the primary and high school as the secondary. And I just I sort of view them a little bit differently. I think I view them kind of in the opposite manner where a lot of my club kids I know and I spend more time, I think, focusing on them as people than soccer, you know, at this point. But I, I just feel like. I feel like the club scene is just a little muddy. It's kind of just the way I'll put it sometimes. And so I think like I, I enjoy high school and college the most. Um, and club is just sort of like supplementary with those, right? You mentioned 
how important family was back in New Orleans and then moving and all that. What's it been like for them to see you go from, you know, you talk about getting into basketball and, and football, and then now you've kind of deviated. Now you've fallen in love with soccer. How have, how has your family embraced you as the soccer fanatic? Oh, they, they've embraced it. They love it. I mean, it's, I think they're just really happy for me and, and like where I am in life. Right. So, um, my parents were the only ones in Texas with us, like the rest of my family stayed in Louisiana. So my parents saw me get into soccer, right. Kind of at an older age and they really saw me enjoy it and grow. And so it wasn't as much of a surprise to them for the rest of my family in new Orleans where soccer is not super popular. They're like, Oh, so like you're a coach. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, I'm cause they haven't seen me in a while. Right. So they're like, wow, like you're grown, you're a coach, you know, you're in charge of kids and things like that. Um, they really enjoy it. They've been really supportive. My parents, I went to Dallas to go visit my family. First day I got there, I was like, hey, Pops, I need to borrow the car. I got some recruiting to go do, man. And he was like, he's like, all right, well, I'll drive you. He came out with me. Um, and, you know, I was like, hey, mom, like, I love you. We're here four days. I need this one day because I got to go drive an hour to go recruit. And then she was like, here, take the car. Like, it's OK. Um, they're very supportive so much. Um, they're proud of me. Our family's built around sports. You know, I have, I have a I have a cousin that is a running back at LSU. I have a sister who is a cheerleader at Grambling State, right? So, you know, my family doing the athletics thing. I'm not, I'm not like the big, the big shot, right? Um, got some family members that are doing it a little bit bigger than I am, but my family recognizes it and they're proud and I appreciate them. As you keep building your resume, what's some of the things you kind of look ahead and are you just kind of focused on, let me just keep crushing the coaches and the sunny side and, and what have you, are you always looking for opportunities? Kind of what is Josh looking for here in the next maybe five to 10 years? I'm, I'm always keeping, I'll say I'm always keeping an eye on opportunities. Um, I wouldn't say looking because I'm not actively trying to, you know, make, a jump somewhere else. Um, you know, for me right now, coaching college is the goal. However, I'm at Sunnyside. I have a dedicated group of girls um, who are talented and young and they're going to be back, right? So I kind of want to fully see out the group that I have at least. I also have such a great admin here at Sunnyside that like if I ever leave here, it's not going to be for a lateral job, right? Like I wouldn't go to another high school. This is probably my last high school stop for me is, is as long as admin seats fit, right, and they, they allow me to stay. Um, and that coach, he's like, I'm volunteer there, you know, but it's it, it's a relocation that's like, hey, it's a two-hour relocation. So if I do want to make the jump up, I would just try to find something to do full-time there, right, like an office job, a teaching job there, volunteer coach still, or wait a few years, and if in a few years something changes, then make a big jump in a year, two years, whatever, to, you know, another area, right, to coach college. Um, so I kind of look at them. I'll look at job postings, keep in mind what, um, like, what requirements I need to be adding to my resume. And so I'll do my work where I'm at, building my resume to match what those job postings say or to surpass them so that when I'm like, all right, it's time, then I'll be built at that point. But, you know, just keep an eye out, just window shopping, not really applying for anything outside of where I'm at currently. You talked about um, teaching in special ed. How, how has that helped you as a coach as well? Like what have you taken from dealing with, 
you know, that side of things in the educational realm and taken back to like the coaching side of things? Yeah. So from a, from a coaching standpoint, um, special education has a lot of parallels, man. Special education is, is sort of education in, in its purest form, really, like in its most purest, equitable form that makes sense for everybody. So something, some random things, right? Instead, I know when we gave kids tasks, we were instructed to not give more than three tasks and to give them simplified language, right? So give them three tasks and simplified language. And I took that in my coaching and I was like, okay, well, when I give the kids tasks, if I put them in a position or if I give them a game plan, there's three things we're going to do. And I keep it super simplified. I don't find it necessary to go over the top with soccer jargon, right? And I'll, I'll, I'll kind of model it in the same way. Something else that I've been trying to do, not perfect about it, but, you know, in special education, you'll have like an IEP, which is an individualized education plan. Well, you know, being on Twitter, bouncing ideas off of coaches, I learned about the idea of an IDP couple years ago right which is an individualized development plan it's the same thing essentially it's just one's for soccer and one special education um so trying to know based off of what i know from being in iep meetings can i make an idp for all my soccer kids and i've been trying to do that i have not been consistent on keeping up with them but that's kind of something that i'm working on as a coach right it's small things like that it's it's knowing in special education i was told that the goal is if our, your job when you teach or help in special education, right? Your student, you want your student to not need you. Your job is to put yourself out of a job, right? To make that kid independent enough to where they don't need you anymore. So as a coach, I want to coach my kids well enough that, hey, when you go play, if you're on the field, you don't need me instructing you the whole game. Hopefully I can start pulling back some of the, the verbal supports and whatnot to where I can say, okay, go, here's game plan, execute and you don't need me to instruct. So th there's a lot of parallels between, I recommend if any coach out there needs a side job, right? Or a main job to get insurance and stuff, go work in special education as a teacher assistant or a paraprofessional, it will help your coaching. The one thing that's been consistent through all of this from the high school to running, helping run the club and all those types of things is like impact and your recognition of, trying to help others get better and better. Has that always been kind of, that has, has that been Josh all the way through his whole life? Have you always been that person that like always gives a helping hand? Had been Clearly you're very empathetic to others and where their situation is and how you can do things to make better for their lives. Is that you in a nutshell or has that just kind of come about as you've gotten more into leadership roles? I think it's me now. I don't think I was always like that to be completely truthful. Um, I know growing up, I was a little bit more like selfish, um, a little bit more me focused, or it would be me and my tight circle, right? So me and my family, my family and I, and then everybody else, oh, well, it's kind of where I was growing up, up until early 20s, like I'm 28 now. So early 20s, there was a change that kind of happened um, where it became more about others, right? Not just the people I'm close to or myself, but it's just about anybody in general, any human and trying to help people. I think a lot of that stemmed from when I hit early 20s, I have siblings, right? And so one of my sisters has a disability um, and eventually someone's going to have to take care of her. My grandmother's taking care of her. And she's getting pretty old. Um, and so I realized that and I was like, ah, I got to kind of shift gears because at some point 
I'm going to be responsible for another human. And then I wanted to be a father at some point, which I am now nine months in. Right. And so I wanted to, I need to shift gears and then working in special education um, for, I think I did it for three years, four years, something like that. That really shifted me because when you work that job, everything is about your service to others. Right. Um, and once I did that, that changed me completely. I was like, wow, okay. I'm in a whole different, a whole different place. Um, so that plus coaching really made a change come about maybe about 21, 22 years old is when that happened. So you just mentioned a pretty much a new father. How does that impact things? I know for me, that's when light bulbs went off for me is when you start having to take care of your own, you know, son or daughter, uh, things change your whole perspective, everything. How has that impacted and even just like work balance, life balance and stuff, like how is that kind of giving you more perspective even beyond what you've already got? You know, it's been a positive impact 100%. Like since my daughter's been born, um, I've just been, I've been more patient. I've been able to kind of, as a coach, right? I, I get very intense, like for games, right? I'm a very competitive person. I take things to heart. Like that's, that's who I am when it comes to competition, right? Um, and, you know, I can take a loss, I could take a win, whatever. But like for coaching was the highest of highs and the lowest of lows for me. And I, I could, you know, if season's going wrong and not even just losing, right? Just like team chemistry, things like that. It really would hurt me. But being able to go home and see my daughter every day, a beautiful smile, right? Seeing, seeing my wonderful daughter, just like my day lights up. I could be having the crappiest of days and I see her and I'm like, you know what? I'm good. Everything's good. I get to come home to a wonderful family. Um, you know, my lovely significant other and our daughter and man, it's just really changed things for me. You know, I, you kind of realize my kids, all that matters. Everything else, you know, everything else has got to be what it's going to be. What has, uh, you know, you mentioned like the, your wife and what have you, your significant other, uh, how has she dealt with Josh, the, the soccer maniac who's coaching here and he's doing recruiting and um, all that, how impactful and helpful, I know I keep using that word, but how helpful has she been in terms of supporting you and getting you to, you know, continue to strive to make the, the, great things that you're doing couldn't do it without her she's been so supportive and helpful um from the beginning of us dating you know to now and and we're two years in now two and a half years in she um she's she's consistently you know was at games especially early on and then i kind of told her hey it gets cold you don't have to come out anymore like i know you <laughs> love me today um when i have to go recruit right if i go you know, up to Phoenix to go recruit. Um, she comes with me. We find we find ways to spend time with each other. Sometimes I have to be away from her, but if I'm at home watching film, she's next to me and she teaches special education. So she'll be doing like an IEP and I'm watching film, but we're next to each other. We're spending that time. We make sure to have meals together um, pretty consistently. Um, you know, if I bounce, I, she's she's watched and listened to me talk enough soccer that she has a general understanding of how it works, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll bounce ideas off of her and she'll be like, well, doesn't that mean? And I'm like, oh yeah, didn't think about that. Um, <laughs> and then her also being a teacher, right? She understands how like, 
I'm like, hey, I don't know how to set up this practice plan. And she's like, well, if it was a lesson plan, same thing, right? She'll kind of help me restructure things and just bring me back down to earth. Um, she's my everything, man. I couldn't do it without her. Um, just plain and simple. She's so supportive. I don't know how she puts up with me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all say that as as coaches in bo- both ways, if you're a female coaching or you know whatever partner you have. Um, the other thing you mentioned earlier was when you moved to Texas and you realized like, holy smokes, the soccer here is pretty freaking intense and high quality. What is it about like even Arizona or Texas? If I, you know, I'm up here in the Midwest in Ohio, what, if I come down there, what kind of, what, what does that even mean? Like what things do you say when you get there, watch out for, they're really good at this, this, and this. So for me, the soccer cultures in Arizona and even in Texas, right? Um, everything is very much, it, it's very much structured, right? So there's a lot of structure and opportunity to play the sport here in Arizona and, and, and in Texas, right? Like you can play it from club through all these different age groups. And, you know, from, I mean, heck, from when you're two, you can sign up for like NYS, right? And then you get to middle school, there's teams in an official middle school league and then high school sports. And then there's so many colleges. I mean, Texas has, I have no idea how many. Arizona has, bare minimum, we have 10 schools. And I wanna say we got like, I wanna say we have like 15, 10 to 20. We have 10 to 20 colleges alone in in the tiny state of Arizona um, where you could play the sport competitively. Um, But I think also, I think because we're in the Southwest, right? Like there is a heavy cultural difference when you have a strong Latino population um, where in many Latino countries, like soccer is a popular sport in most of the world, soccer is the most popular sport, right? So it's, it's those, like the kids here play the sport. It's, it's their parents grew up playing it. They grew up playing it. They grew up watching it compared to me growing up in a basketball football place like New Orleans. We didn't watch soccer. We didn't have soccer coaches in the family, soccer players in the family. We have football players and basketball players. So the development, I think, happens at a different speed as well for the kids here. Um, and and we, have, we have so much talent here that I honestly feel like there's not enough schools in Arizona to recruit all of the talent that's available. You know, like, like that's just something I noticed. I also noticed that because of some of the cultural differences, there's a lot of flair with the play style here in the Southwest compared to, I've never watched soccer like live in the Midwest, right? I've never coached out there or anything, but for sure in the Southwest, there is a different level of flair and excitement and enjoyment to the game. Like kind of like, almost like a, like a Joga Bonito, you know, thing that the, the Brazilians have, right? Like playing beautifully. There's something similar that happens here um, that just makes it enjoyable to coach and play. You mentioned the, almost like an oversupply of players, high quality and not enough like opportunities in Arizona. Do you think similar to you where at, you know, I even know with Latinos, their family is super important. Is there kind of a reluctance to maybe leave Arizona to maybe look for other opportunities? I think you were talking about allowing some of the players that let give them more opportunities. Do you think that's something that we're working toward to try to find out like, hey, there's an awesome players down here. We just need to give them more opportunities. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, and, you know, I'm not Latino, so I, I don't want to I want to be careful about speaking for them. But having coached predominantly said population and being here still right and, and doing so, a lot of the kids that I have 
um, there's, there's at least a, a, a correlation, if not a causation. There's a correlation for sure that some of those kids are afraid to leave home, right? And maybe that's every kid, I don't know, but I, I only know what I've coached. Like, and I also know talking to guys like, uh, like Hector Cano, who you know is in Texas, he said the same thing. Like, those kids have a harder time leaving home because family's important. Um, and so I think we have this oversupply, like I live in Tucson and Tucson has Pima, which is the community college here in town and then the University of Arizona, which is the university here in town. Um, the next closest schools, Cochise where I coach at is two hours south. And then there's six JUCOs in Phoenix, two hours north and like a few more schools in Phoenix, two hours north. And then you have to go further north, like five hours to Flagstaff. So for those kids, right? You know, Pima does a great job of, you know, credit to them. They pick up all local kids, but they can only hold so many kids on their roster. You know, like there's only room for 20-ish kids. And the U of A, you know, they have 20-ish kids and they might only have like one or two Tucson kids on the roster. So where are all these other talented kids supposed to go? I mean, we have GA, ECNL, DPL, like all these like you know, supposed to be elite level teams where I've watched them and the play's good, the kids play well. Where are they supposed to go if they don't leave home? You know? Um, and so for those kids, there's a lot of, I've watched kids that say, hey, I, I don't leave home or I can't leave home. I had a girl that got called up to her national team um, and she ended up not going anywhere for college. Um, family reasons, she couldn't leave Tucson. And, uh, She's, she's just at home right now, man, because, you know, options were limited for familiar reasons. She wasn't Latino, by the way, but like, you know, familiar reasons, just the, the overabundance of talent that's here, too much talent and not enough places for it to go. One of the things I picked up, too, is you seem super bright, like you catch on to things, your ability to transcend between like teaching and the coaching and and draw the parallels and such. Have you always been kind of a, uh, a learner as you've been going through this? You seem like you kind of sponge things in. You even talked about being in and helping out with coaching wise at games like coaches and just filling in gaps. You kind of recognize like, Oh, there's a spot that I could make an impact or you're also learning from those people you talked about surrounding yourself with really, really positive, super, you know, supportive people. Have you been always kind of a lifelong learner type uh, growing up? Um, yeah, yeah, my whole life I've, I've been pretty big on learning. Um, I grew up in gifted and talented programs, um, you know, or TAG or whatever they call them nowadays, but I was always in accelerated classes all throughout school, honors classes, AP classes, all the way through high school. And then college, I dipped off a little bit and it took me a little bit longer to graduate. Um, but I've always been that person. I always want to learn. You know, I'm, I'm online so often because I'm always trying to find something, right? Like what's the next thing that's going to pass by that I can pick up and learn from someone? Um, I just feel like the more I know, you know, the more I grow and the more I can do for others, right? And the more I can do for myself or for my family even, learning is free in most cases, right? Like in a lot of places, you know, education, formal education may not always be free, but learning in general is free. So whatever I can soak in, dude, I'll be on a school's like some school 3000 miles away. And I'm like digging through their academic requirements, 
you know, or looking through what kind of degrees they offer, who's their notable alumni. I'm looking at a random game from I don't know when, um, looking into the backgrounds of different players and I don't know, all kinds of tidbits, man. I, I just, I love learning. It's what I try to do in my free time. You mentioned playing some club soccer at the college level. What was that experience like um, for those people that haven't been know, like some are here and then go, wait a minute, you can play club soccer at college. Like, what was that experience like? Was it, you know, a lot of people just think, oh, it's just a random group of dudes that just show up and they just play. What was that experience like? Well, what did it look like in overall? So for my club experience might've been different from others, um, but I, I enjoyed it. Let me say that first. Um, for where I was at at that time with soccer, right? Not really being serious about it. Um, not knowing, not having no idea that I was going to coach it, you know, years later, it was a good place. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to stay in shape. I wanted to be a part of something competitive in a team environment. So I was able to do that. We had practices, they were organized. We had a guy that coached us. He was maybe like a year or two older than us, but um, he was very experienced. He was a legit coach. His name's Ian High. I think he's coaching club in Texas right now. He was a very good coach. Um, we had fields reserved, you know, on campus and everything. We had, we had um, some sort of jersey set up. I, I can't fully remember. We had scrimmages that we'd set up against other club teams. Um, and our board members, which were players, right? Like our captains, basically, they would set up scrimmages with other colleges and figure out transportation and carpool. And then we also had, we would join indoor leagues and Sunday leagues as a club team, right? Um, and we did that. And it was it, for, for recreational play, right? Just having fun. It was fun. We did have some guys that were pretty good. Again, I was not that good. I was fast and athletic. And so, you know, like that's what I was used for, for right? The extra speed when needed. But we had some guys that were ballers, man. They probably could have been on scholarship somewhere. We had a guy that ended up playing semi-pro um, in Texas. And he was playing he was playing with us before he went semi-pro. And he had to, like, leave because, he, you know, that's what he started doing. So we had legit players. Like the, the level of competition is solid. Um, you know, you pay to play, but it's not that expensive usually. And I made really good friends. Truth be told, I had the time of my life, which is why I did not graduate on time. <laughs> I had too much fun um, with my club teammates. It was a good experience socially, for sure. So as we kind of just start to wrap this up, um, is there, because we're talking about the, the coaching inside, and this was something that kind of resonated with me. Have you always coached on the girls' side? Yeah, so when I got my first coaching gig at Empire High School um, and my AD at the time, Shannon Woolridge, shout out to him. Um, when he when he kind of offered for me to be the the assistant, the only spot that was open was for the women's side. So I kind of ended up just ending up in women's soccer right again. And then once you start building your resume, um, it kind of becomes easy to stay on the same side. So. I was coaching women's soccer at the high school, just at the high school. The next year, my head coach at the time, Kayla Forster, she had a club team that she kind of was trying to step away from, which is how I got to FC Sonora. She was like, hey, do you want to take over my club team? Some of our high school girls are already there. And so for me, it was like, okay, mutual kids, similar area, right? Like not too far away. Um, so I kept doing that. And then... Well, I applied to Sunnyside. It was like, okay, well, I'm going to coach 
women again, because that's all I've done is coach girls so far, right? My resume is built for that. Same thing with coaches. My resume is built for that. Um, and I've coached boys in spots, like as a fill-in coach, right? Like, or as a sub type situation. Um, you know, when coaches are out, I'll do that at FC Sonora sometimes. I enjoy it. It's it's a little bit different in certain ways, but I think I, I think I enjoy coaching on the women's side. Like I plan on probably staying. I would stay on the women's side unless I felt like I had to move to the men's side for, for a certain opportunity, you know? Like pretty much I'm trying to stay coaching women's soccer and move up the ladder on that side. Um, just to add into that, like also being a man on that side of things, because I'm taking up a space, I generally try to make sure I keep my staff all female um, and also the players that I graduate, I try to hopefully create the next, you know, woman coach um, moving down the line because I also recognize my privilege as a male, right? I get to pick kind of from whatever and the women don't always get the same opportunities, but I enjoy coaching women and I don't, I don't think there's anything, you know, there's nothing that would make me want to change over. What is it um, about like that you looked at maybe from your experience doing some of the male games and what have you, what is it about coaching maybe females that kind of like makes it a little bit more maybe enjoyable or, um, you know, that you enjoy? Um, I mean, coaching the males, I had so much fun, but I, I think definitely like, I think, I think the women, like on the women's side, right. The girls and the women that I've coached, I think the gratitude is expressed a certain way. I'm a very like, emotional like I like to give affirmation and receive affirmation right? like hey coach thank you or tell my players thank you and I think that that's more expected on the on the female side of soccer right for the women and the girls on the male side not so much it's like hey man I love you I'm so glad you did well and like you could do that but it's not always received the same right um for the guys it's more like I'm very rah-rah and I think the guys understand my rah-rah a little bit better but I think kind of like me being a human who has emotions, I, I think I just fit better coaching the women in that case. Not to, you know, buy into stereotypes, but that's just been my experience that they value that side. They value that part of the coaching a little bit more. Like the guys in my experience are like, coach, we just need to freaking win. Right. <laughs> um, and then the, the girls that I've coached have been like, hey, coach, like, thank you for caring about us as people. Um, I'm sure the guys felt the same way, but I just didn't hear it, you know, so a little different. That is a perfect way to shut this chat down. This is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats with Josh Burton, and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, Follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.